Welcome to the Lifehouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. Welcome Danny as he comes to share the word for us Thank today. You. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you today? It's good to be with family, and it really is family to me. In 19... I might get that up a bit later, sorry, after the video. Sorry about that, so that you can see the video. I'm going to show you a quick video, but it was 1985, and uh, I had a gentleman stay in my home from St. Louis, Missouri. And uh, at 11 o'clock at night, he'd gone for a walk and a prayer. He walks in, and he says, I've got a word for you, and I need to pray for you. And he lays hands on me and he starts praying. He said, within three days from now, young men and women from all... I mentioned the countries and the places. Within three days to the day, the phone started. From strangers, people I'd never met, saying, we need to be mentored and fathered. Would you consider fathering us? That was December 2015. January the 22nd, my eldest son gets killed. And all of a sudden, you're in this place of mixed emotions of how do I mentor a whole lot of young people when I've lost one of mine. And you can see the battle going on inside of me. And then I said, I'm going to let the enemy pay for this. And I'm going to use my life to raise up new generations that go further and greater than I've ever seen and and, and done. And so it is miraculous how we met. And we certainly don't need more rules and regulations that rule our lives without relationship. And so I'm so grateful for that word that I received. It hasn't stopped. I'm mentoring a young man in London who um, is an African uh, man that moved to, was abandoned by his father and moved to London. And we speak every couple of weeks on the phone just mentoring through the word of God. I never thought that day would come. And so that's one of the great things that God has blessed me and graced me to see happen. So I'm grateful to be here. I'm thankful to be here. And it's always great to have your welcome every time I come. One of the other things God called me to do, and I'm very humbled by this, but it's the truth. About 10 years ago, he said, I'm going to show you prophetic pictures. I'm going to show you prophetic patterns that are for the body of Christ. And as you share those things... Clarity will come in what I'm doing in my church. I'm going to ask you to address things that maybe need adjusting in the body of Christ, but never address anything without the answer. Anybody can pick on stuff. You know, a lot of people knocking the church right now. There's a lot of church bashing going on. Can I say to you, one of the words that's being used a lot right now is deconstruction. That all over the world, I'm deconstructing my faith. I'm deconstructing church. Don't know if I need church through COVID. You know, you don't knock down an old house and then go and live on an empty block of land. If we're going to deconstruct, what are we going to deconstruct? And I believe there's a better word, and that word is evaluate. And I believe right now God is speaking to the church at large, and I want to share a little bit of that and then share personally into the life of this church. I was preaching at Hillsong Church. I used to preach there the first Sunday of every year. And every year, Robert Ferguson, one of the teachers there, would stand next to me before I would get up to preach, and he would turn around and give me a word. 
And this particular Sunday, I'm standing there about to get up and preach. Robert turns to me and he said, Ezekiel 37, that's all I'm going to tell you. And I went home on a, uh, that following week. I stayed and did some ministry in Sydney. And on the Friday night, we had a Friday night service. And without saying anything, one of our pastors, uh, Pastor Matt Stevenson, gets up and he goes, I really feel I'd like to speak from Ezekiel 37. So my ears pricked up and, 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 and I'm sitting there going, something's going on here. And as he was preaching, these three words came into my mind. Bones, stones and thrones. And I'm going to explain that to you this morning. I pray to be a blessing. But rather than reading Ezekiel 37, I thought I'd get you to watch it on screen. The hand of the Lord was upon me. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the voice of the Lord. I will make breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound and the bones came together. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath and say to it, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. I thought that was better than just reading it, so I hope you like that. But I do believe with all my heart that the best years of the church are ahead of us, and they're in front of us, and through this COVID time, if I can be really honest, and I know I treat you as family, um, I've been a little saddened by Christians' responses in a time which should be our greatest hour. We are called to be light in the darkness, not darkness with the darkness. And so there's so much fighting going on in the body of Christ, not in this church, but I work across the body on, you know, vax, anti-vax, this vax, and, all, and, and none of it's approached through love, and let's go to God and see what he wants to say to us. And I believe with all my heart that there are a remnant of God's people that God's raising up, and this is one of those houses, that I believe are not going to come up with the problems, we're going to come up with the answers. We're going to see what the favour of God can do. Because when Jesus said, I'll build my church, he doesn't say, but if the world stuffs it all up, we'll come up with another idea. When Jesus said, I'll build my church, he's going to do it. He's going to build his church. And I believe we're in the greatest season. I am leading more people to Christ. I meet with non-Christian people every week. And everything that's happening in the world, I'm meeting with non-Christians and they go, do you think it's the end of the world? Do you think that, uh, you know, we're living in the last days? There are many last days in the Bible. Not the last day, but many last days. You know what I do? I open my Bible. I meet with six non-Christian business people every Friday, and I show them my phone, and I say, have a read. 
And then I ask them, you tell me what you think. I'm not going to tell you what I think. You tell me what you think. And conversations open up and we end up not talking about the issues in the world. We end up talking about the amazing love of God that brings about transformation. I've seen young people come off ice addiction during COVID and seeing them filled with the Holy Spirit. Last Sunday morning, one of the guys that I'm mentoring in the middle of the worship, I hadn't even told him about the baptism and the Holy Spirit. In the middle of worship, he starts speaking in a language he'd never learned. At the end of the meeting, he comes running up to me, scared stiff. He goes, something weird's happening to me. He goes, something happened in the worship today. My tongue would not go where I wanted it to go. <laughs> and I said, that's the Holy Spirit. How do you feel? He goes, oh, just the warmth, the refreshing, the sense of clarity. So I meet with him every week now to teach him how to read the Bible. Brought his journal over to my house yesterday. Opened up his journal and I'm thinking, I could pinch this stuff and use it for sermon material. It was such good journaling. And he says to me, I got on my phone and I got really annoyed with all the red bits. Why do they have to have black and red? I said, because the red bits are the words of Jesus. He goes, what? So my homework for him now is to write down all the red bits. <laughs> and we're getting together to talk about what the red bits mean. That uh, passage there in Ezekiel, my eyes don't work real well, so I see how this new contraption works. That sits there perfectly. Great, fantastic. Might fall over in a minute, but anyway. That passage of scripture that we just saw on screen starts with, and the Lord took hold of me. You know, things don't change in our lives until the Lord takes hold of us. And Ezekiel is about to be taken to a challenging situation. And the Bible says, and the Lord took hold of me. You know, what saddens me, as I've already said, in this last season, even in Christendom, I've seen fear, anxiety, stress, discouragement and disappointment take hold of people's lives. But Ezekiel says, the Lord took hold of me. And when we allow the Lord to take hold of us, he doesn't deny the things that are happening around us. Ezekiel was not taken to a revival. He was taken to a valley of dead bones. You know, when God gets hold of us, he shifts us. You can't, God can't get hold of you and you stay where you are. When God gets hold of you, he shifts you. He gets hold of Ezekiel and he takes him to a valley of dry bones. He repositions him and he does that with us. He shifts us so that we can address the dead things and the dead, the dead spaces in our lives. And Ezekiel, and I'm taken by the Spirit of God from where he was. I prophesy today and I say that with conviction. God is about to shift the church all over the world. It's no longer about how expensive the pastor's sneakers are. It's no longer about how many bums on seats on a Sunday. It's not just about that. And for some of it, it's not about it at all. It's not about image. It's about transformation and authenticity and a church that is real, that people from the community can walk in and go, this isn't religion, this is family, this is community, this is real, this is the truth. And I believe this house, in many ways, you've been... Uh, separated from God from some of that stuff, and I'm so grateful about that. But you know what God does and what he's going to do, what he does in this story with Ezekiel, he also 
does it with us as individuals, and he's certainly been doing it in this church for quite a while, is he takes Ezekiel to hidden potential. Dead bones. I mean, when you look at a bunch of dead bones in a valley, you're not going to say, oh, I remember him. He looks just like he's not as tall as I thought he was. A bunch of dead bones don't have identity. They don't have protection. There's no body on them. And, you know, there's a world out there today feeling like they have no identity. There's no, they're, they're insignificant. They're dead. They're dry. And God takes Ezekiel to hidden potential. As you step in as a church into a season of favour, it's not about you feeling good. It's a favour given to you to pass on to dead bones, hidden potential, and you're going to be putting flesh on those bones. You're going to give them identity. You're going to give them security. You're going to give them a place of belonging. And I want to tell you, God is about to stand up an army like we saw on the video and in Ezekiel 37 that are going to speak into hidden potential because we've allowed God to shift us from some of our traditions. And he's shifted us. He's taken hold of us. And he's brought us to a place where we can speak to what God breathes on. How good is that? Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Now, dead bones to me speak of dead religion and things that are, uh, things that are put in place because they've been there for a long time, but they don't bear fruit anymore. And God is redefining the identity of the church. But like he's doing it with the church, there are three stages, bones, stones and thrones, that are stages we all go through. So bones, if you're taking notes, bones talk about reviving and refreshing. Reviving and refreshing. I don't know about you, but I've been walking with Jesus for 50 years of my life. There's sometimes things get a little dry. When my son passed away, I couldn't pray for a while. I felt dry. I felt dead. Do you know... I'm thankful for a church here that doesn't deny that. Isn't it good that we can put our hand up and go, life sucks for me right now. Things are dry in my life. They're a bit dead, but they don't have to stay there. And I want to tell you, every Christian goes through dry bone stages and feeling like I'm a nobody, I'm lost in the crowd, I don't know where I belong. And God comes out of the goodness of his favour and he revives us and he refreshes us. And I believe the church at large is about to move into an era of reviving and refreshing like we haven't seen in 30 years. And I'm looking forward to that expression and I'm feeling it where I'm moving in circles right now that there's a hunger. There's a hunger. Do you know how many pastors, 1,700 pastors a month are resigning the ministry? 1700 a month. And I'm thinking, don't you understand the stages we go through? Because being a disciple of Jesus Christ, one of the fruits or the evidences is longevity. Anybody can have a good year. Everyone can have a good month. But I want to have a long-lasting life of fidelity to God that says, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, my God is mine, come COVID or not. The number of people that don't want to go to church anymore because they don't need church. And you think, well, were you just walking with church or were you working with Christ? Because if we walk with Christ, that shouldn't even be in the conversation. I love the church because I love Christ and I love everything Jesus said he would build. Why should I bash what Jesus said he would build? 
I will build my church. And I believe bones speaks about reviving and refreshing. There's a lot of dead religion, as I said, but the good news is God wants to breathe on his church again. But he doesn't treat his church as a corporate organisation. He treats us as individuals. We're all his church, as individuals. And I need God to breathe on me. I need God to refresh me. I need God to revive me. The reason why I love the church so much is because I love the Christ of the church. I have a revelation of the church. But let me tell you, I don't walk with corporate church every day. I walk with the founder of the church, Jesus Christ, every day in my personal walk with him so he can refresh and revive me. In Acts chapter 3, verses 19 to 20, it says, Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. Times of refreshing, that word in the Greek is the word to breathe on. It means the breath. And I want to tell you, God's about to breathe on his church in a way that's not going to be a have-to commitment anymore. Do I have to give to that? Do I have to go to to that meeting? I believe God's removing much of what we call organisation and he's bringing the organic church together where we reach out to one another whether we've got a title or not. We make a meal for someone whether we've been asked to or not. Why? Because God has refreshed us so we can give favour to those around us and see that we've been through this stage of refresh and rebuild. Stage number two is stones. Now, in 1 Kings chapter 10, there's a story which I haven't got time to preach on today of when the Queen of Sheba came to see the the incredible, um, uh, uh, the house of God that Solomon had built, the temple that Solomon had built for the glory of God. The Bible says she heard, she came, she saw. Do you know... This sounds a little bit sad, and I don't want to be too dramatizing this, but I am leading quite a few people to Christ, and sometimes it's hard to find a church to send them to. It's really hard. Because you, you see the, the competition, the drivenness, the, the, the wanting the wrong things, when people need nurture, and they need love, and they need authentic reaching out to, not because they add to our pews, but because they are loved by God and God wants to bring them out of that dead valley and stand them up as a mighty great army. And in 1 Kings chapter 10, the temple was so amazing that the Queen of Sheba came, she saw, sorry, she heard, she came, and she saw. Uh, God is favouring churches that are willing to build something that people will hear about. They'll come, and when they come, they will see that what they have in front of them is genuine and real and authentic. Now, don't, you might not be able to write this down. I'm going to go through it quickly. When she came and saw this temple, by the way, she took three months to get there. You know, talk about inconvenience. She was on a boat for three months to get and come and see what Solomon had built for the glory of God. When she came, and I prophesy the favour of God over this house this morning with these ingredients. When she came, and I've been preaching on the, the temple for years, I've preached it here with some of the leaders, but I just saw it afresh the other day, yesterday, as I was preparing, that when she came to the temple, it was a place of answers. It was a place of excellence. Everything was done with a real, genuine, excellent spirit. It was a people of hospitality. There was a pattern for team. It wasn't about one big 
shot. Everybody's important. I have not found in Adelaide, now I am not saying this to get extra lunch today, okay? But I have not found in Adelaide quite somebody like this couple that release young people, that release potential. When you talk to them, they don't talk what they are doing. They talk about the team. They talk about releasing people. I don't know of churches that are willing to release some of their best to go and plant a church and go somewhere else and say, well, we'll raise up another lot. It doesn't happen everywhere. But at the Queen of Sheba, she sees the temple. She sees the answers that are found there for the, uh, for the people around, the answers. She had difficult questions, and there were answers for it. There, there was a palace of excellence, a people of hospitality, a pattern of team, a posture of integrity. There was a priority of worship. Priority of worship. They said the... the, the, the uh, they offered up to God the sacrifices of worship. And then there's a positioning for generosity. I actually believe what was said around the offering today is so true. This church is more generous than it actually can be in the natural because it's a posture of the heart. And I believe with all my heart that this kind of church cannot be built unless we understand stones. Now, in 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 7, let me read it to you. The stones used in the construction of the temple were finished at the quarry. So there was no sound of hammer, axe or any other iron tool at the building. Do you know there's a lot of churches now where there's a lot of noise of sharp words, hammer, axe that cuts, you know, sharp iron. And he's going, but if the stones are pre-cut in the quarry, when they get to the temple site, there's no noise. And I, let, hear me very, very clearly today. I believe God is looking for a church that doesn't put people into positions, but positions people according to their God shape. We all have a given God shape. And we don't just plug holes. I pray the future of this church won't be, won't be about plugging holes. It's about what's the God shape on your life? What's the God shape on your life? And in public, in private. We don't need the Nick Kyrgios's of the church that jump up and down and crack their fruity and go off by playing with a great gift. We don't just need gifts, we need character for the church to get to where God wants it to be. And the stones, the stones are the things that happen in private, the challenges in our marriages, the challenges with losing our temper. I have a temper problem and you push me too far and there's another Danny living inside of me. And I'm finding more and more, I'm spending time on my knees before God and go, God, shape me so that when I turn up where you want me to be with people, there's no noise. There's no harshness. There's no sharpness. There's grace. There's love. There's kindness because you've pre-shaped me as a stone because a stone represents of reshaping and rebuilding. Now, as I was looking at this yesterday, I thought, God is a genius, obviously, because we would not allow God to reshape us or to rebuild us if he hasn't revived or refreshed us. He has everything in order. See, God refreshes us. He revives us. So we trust him that we're not spiritual guinea pigs. He likes to experiment. We're his kids. And he loves us. And he loves us just the way we are. And he accepts us just the way we are. But he loves us too much to leave us the way we are. And so he goes, yeah, let me refresh you. Let me revive you. Now let me reshape you. Let me rebuild you. And then the cutting away doesn't hurt as much. 
Otherwise, it's, ouch, ouch, God's having a go at me. Oh, everybody hates me. No, no, God's revived me to see his amazing grace in my life. And, oh, he's refreshed me. And now, God, go for it. Reshape me. Rebuild me. And once you go through that stage, then he releases you to thrones, which all through the Bible is the place of dominion, the place of rulership. And we'll get to that in just a second. And I believe every Christian at some point goes through these stages. We all have to admit our dryness. We have to admit our sense of things are really dead in my life. I'm just going through the religious motions. That's okay. God's not going to get upset. He's not going to say, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. He knows us. He knows what we're thinking. And we go, go for it, God. Please refresh me. Oh, God, please revive me. I've watched so much negativity over this COVID time in the church at large. And I'm thinking, I'm too busy. I've gone to all the scriptures on the last days. And all of them say, because reality. Open your home. Care for people. You have a gift from God. Use it. Not try to work out, is this the mark of the beast? Is this this? Is it that? Is it that? Christians are being distracted. And in that distraction, they've lost their freshness. They've lost that beginning stage of reviving. And they're just speaking death over people. But I'm so glad, even when my son passed away, that I was graced by God to say, I can either concentrate on the negative and all the things that suck in my life, and there's lots of them, or I can say, God, in the middle of all this deadness and in the middle of all this dryness, you go ahead and revive me. You go again and refresh me. And then you can go ahead and rebuild me. And you can go ahead and reshape me because I want to be released to the place of dominion for Jesus Christ. So stones speak to me of God's pruning in our personal lives in order to reshape us, not to react badly in these times, but to respond to God. And the shaking... See, one of the words that is being used a lot right now is everything's shaking. We look at what's happening in Ukraine right now, all over the world. It seems like everything that could be shaking is shaking. But let me tell you when it comes to God shaking, God never shakes to hurt. He shakes to heal. The shaking is for the making. The shaking is for the shaping. So when things happen in the world, we don't understand. What a great opportunity to say, God, what are you saying to me? How can I be light in this darkness? You know, it says in the book of Revelation, the guy that wrote the book of Revelation is in the spirit on the Lord's day. He's on a mad island full of crazy people in the middle of the worst place you could possibly be. He's in the spirit on the Lord's day. The circumstances of our world should not affect the way we walk with God because it's in these times we prove him the most. And I've had such a joy of talking to people, not about have you had the vax or not had the vax, but to talk to them about in these times how real God is and how powerful he can be in our lives. The shaking is for the making. It was 15 years ago, probably more around 18 years ago, because I keep saying 15 every time I share it. I've been sharing it for a couple of years. So probably around 18 years ago, I was reading the book of Hebrews. And I believe as God shows me patterns, he showed me shakings that were going to come on the earth. I remember preaching them at pastor's conferences and I was tolerated rather than what I said being celebrated because some people just didn't get it. And I realize now that God was showing me stuff for the future that I preached too prematurely. 
It's like my dad is a, an Italian who loves pasta and he lives with me and he wants it every day. But he's one of those Italians. He's not like the other Italians. He likes his pasta overcooked. <laughs> and so it's so soft it nearly becomes runny. <laughs> I like it al dente. But sometimes I've dished up messages where the pasta was so al dente it stuck to your teeth. It wasn't cooked enough. And so what I've done for the last six months is I've gone back over every prophetic word that I believe God's given me and tested it. And over the last couple of weeks, I found myself going back to the book of Hebrews and looking at the words I spoke 18 years ago. And they're not Danny speaking. They were the picture God had given me. And I feel we're living in it right now. And I feel sharing it today is going to make a lot more sense than 18 years ago. The Lord showed me that out of Hebrews chapter 13, I can't go through it now for time, but read chapter 13 and you'll see these all there. And at the end of chapter 12 of Hebrews, where it says, and everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken. So only that that's built on the right foundation will remain. As I was half said a bit earlier, one of the fruits of being a disciple is continuance. One of the fruits of being a disciple, I didn't finish that sentence, I just realised, is that we finish our race. We don't just give up halfway through or we have a good start and a good one. We continue. That's a test. If you continue in my name, John 15, this shows you're my disciples. Love, fruit and continuance are the three very clear biblical statements that show what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And God says here in Hebrews, I'm going to shake everything so that things will remain, not get destroyed. God only shakes to heal, not to hurt. He's not mad. He wants to mend. And so what happens is he comes and speaks about the shakings. I'm going to give them to you right now. The first one in Hebrews 13, it says, Love one another with genuine Christian love, depending on what version you read. God has been shaking friendships in the church. Do you know there's a difference between being offended when your friends get offended or someone gets upset at church, so I'm going to be on my friend's side? That's not unity. There's a difference between biblical unity and friendship. And what God is about to shake, and he's shaking it right now, is bringing people out of a carnal friendship into a deep biblical unity, which is being in the trenches together when things aren't clear. When things aren't clear, when it's up yours, I'm out of here. No, when things aren't working, we get together and we work it out. What does God say? What's going to do? Because the devil's out to divide us. And it's not happening here in this church that I can sense, but it's happening in the body of Christ pretty well everywhere. I go to churches where people are in the meeting, and I thought, weren't you at that other church a few months ago when I was pretty... Yeah, and we've come out of that church with all our friends. And I remember one day looking at this group of people, and I felt God say, and they have divorce parties. You know, when people are offended somewhere and they don't fix that offence, you don't allow the reshaping. You don't allow the refreshing. Therefore, you're never going to be reigning on the throne because you're hanging on to your hurts and bitterness and those kind of things. But what God is doing is he's shaping the church to be a great army that even when we disagree, whether it's masks or no masks or whatever, we can find a common ground of biblical unity where we can fight for God's truth and be that army that doesn't just walk out when we get offended. Oh, for Jesus, I'm offended. <laughs> Just had to break out there in song. Friendships are being shaken. The focus of the church has been shaken. The focus of the modern church, the Western church, has been inward. What does the church do for me? 
That's why I love this church, because it's what can we as a church do for our community? You see, God is changing the focus of the church. You read in Hebrews 13, take care of those that are mistreated, those that are in prison. And, you know, for many years, I spent my life building the church for the believers. And while we've got to have that, we can't give our whole life to that. We're not here to build so we can stay comfortable till Jesus comes home. We are here to build so that we can give to our community and have a focus on outside of us. God is shaking the focus. The third thing is shaking is fidelity. It says, stay true to marriage. Now, I believe it means more at the spirit of it than just natural marriage. We need to be married to God's house in attachment to his vision. We need to be married to the things that Jesus wants us to be attached to. I am doing a lot of counselling at the moment at one of the churches that I'm working with, and I've had probably in the last three months nearly every Christian couple that have come to see me, one, either the husband or the wife, have turned around and said, it just doesn't happen for me anymore. I just don't, I just don't feel it. Happy to walk out on a marriage. Happy to walk out on kids. I deserve to be happy. It's a little bit overrated, I tell you. And it needs to be defined. Because the devil will tell you what will make you happy. And the minute you do it, you'll say, you idiot, what did you do that for? The devil doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to be unhappy. But he lies to you about what happy is. And so I'm watching Christian marriages. It's happened in my own family. Christian marriages fall apart so easily and so quickly. One lady said to me, he's an awesome husband. He's a fantastic father. And he's a provider and we've got everything we need. But I'm just bored. I mean, how dumb can you be and still breathe? Oh, who said that? Sorry, that was just a moment. It just slipped. Shape me, Jesus. Reshape me. <laughs> Fidelity. People aren't faithful to brands uh, unless it makes them look cool. But, you know, people aren't faithful to anything anymore. It's whatever I feel at the time. And that's crept into the church. But when I come here, and I'm not saying this for any other reason than it's true, and there's always going to be issues, whatever church you're in, where there's people, there's going to be issues. But there's a, an undergirding spirit in this house that will pay the price to reach out to the broken, to reach out those outside these four walls, and we're going to be faithful to our calling. We're going to be faithful to each other. And I see that faithfulness. It's part of God's favour. And so God is shaking friendships. He's shaking the focus. He's shaking fidelity. He shakes friendships so we can have biblical unity. He shakes focus so we have missional clarity. He shakes our fidelity so we have loyalty. He shakes how we handle finances. This is a time in Christian world where we need to be integrous with our finance. We should have always done that. And we are open with what God is doing so people know that they can trust where they give to. And so I believe this is a great, great house to give into because there's integrity there. So finances are going to be shaken for integrity. Fellowship. It says this. Now, I don't know if you've read this, but it says, follow the leaders that have done the right thing before you, that have lived a life of godliness and you've watched them do it. And follow them as they follow Christ because, listen to this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Oh boy, how we like to take that one verse and we like to pull it out of context and shove it on a wall. Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, you know, Jesus Christ isn't the same. He's forever changing, but he is the same. 
You've got to read it in context. And in the context of that scripture, it's saying we all need accountability. That's never changed. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, forever. Because we can't be solo islands on our own. We need someone that can say no to us. I'm 65 years old and I've got about a dozen men and women around the world that can stop me at any time and say, don't do that. You're out of line there. Because if you don't have anybody that can say no to you from a clear Bible place, not blind loyalty, but biblical loyalty, then we could get deceived. And I am watching Christians leaving churches in Adelaide and doing church online and watching people that are preaching heresy, that are preaching stuff, and the people go, oh, this is awesome. You've got to listen to this podcast. You've got to listen to this. And there's no understanding of where that person's at that's preaching to you and where their accountability is. And we've got people saying things like, oh, I go to my church because my friends are there, but I don't listen to my pastor. I listen to the people online because they feed me. Seven false teachers are in the New Testament that are going to be expressed in the last days. And if we're not under the kind of covering that can bring the word of God with clarity and bring the word of God in its proper contextual setting, we could go off like the Bible says, over here, over there, the love of many will grow cold. There'll be many voices. And God is shaking our followership so that we can be a people of accountability before God. He's shaking our faith. And our faith is about focus on eternity. You see, the fact of the matter is, as a Christian, as good as it gets down here, we're leaving here. I'm going to see my son again. One of my best friends, Pastor Donovan Kutsi, who ran the AOG in South Africa, that we met together every year. We traveled the world together. We've preached all over the world together, passed away this week with the same cancer that I had. My heart's broken. For two weeks, I've been grieving for this very close friend. But I am grateful because my son's gone, my friends are going, I'm grateful for eternity. I'm grateful that one day there'll be no more death, there'll be no more pain, and I serve Jesus Christ because I believe in eternity. Not this church doesn't do it for me. I came and served for three weeks and nobody even said thank you. Well, maybe they didn't. But there's an eternity that says thanks. There's a God that says, hey, Eternity is worth it. And God's shaking us so we don't just build for now, but that we build for eternity. I'm nearly done. And uh, he's also shaking our function. It says, when we get these things right, we will serve the living God. I've been saying for 20 years, if we don't serve, we sever. I don't want to sever the things of God and just run off with my opinions. I want to serve. And you know what? The older I get, I've discovered we can have so many opinions. I mean, we've all got them. They like armpits. We all have them and they smell. But, you know, um, you know, opinions are one thing, convictions are another. And the older I get, I've realised I've only got four or five non-negotiable convictions. Did Jesus rise from the dead? I believe he did and that's my conviction. Did he die for my sins and, and save me by his amazing grace? Yes, nobody's going to shake me from that. Is Jesus the only way to God? Yes, you can't shake me from that. But there are other things that might be right, might not be right. Do you know how many interpretations of the last days are out there? Some people say they've already happened. Some people go, no, they're going to happen. And you know what? You can have those opinions, but I'm not going to fight over things that don't matter. I'm going to live the convictions that do matter. 
And that's going to keep me busy for the rest of my life because I'm living for eternity. So stage three, what time do we finish? Now? I'm nearly done. I'm nearly done. That's the second time I said nearly done. I'm getting there. Stage three is thrones. So stones, sorry, bones, refresh and revive. Please do it, Lord. Lord, do it in all our lives. Stones, reshape and rebuild. You know, when a stone's been reshaped and made for the right fit, then it goes to the temple site. You don't walk up at the temple and go, look at that stone on the left there. You're just going to see the temple. You're not going to see the individual stones, but put one in there that's crooked and all the others are straight. And you go, why is that stone out of place? Do you know how many people in church chase roles that God never wanted them to have? Not in this church, but in the body of Christ. And there may be someone here. I never want to be where God doesn't want me to be. I don't want to be successful. I want to be fruitful. And so when God shapes me, then when I get to where the bigger picture of God's building His church comes, I don't make any noise. When God told me to hand my church over, I could have gone another 10 years. But He said, no, now, hand it over. I had no idea what God was going to open up for me. And now I couldn't even imagine going back and doing what I did. I feel like I'm living the dream at this stage of my life. But I want you to live the dream, those of you that are younger, at a much younger age than me at 65. Because God not only wants to refresh us and revive us, He wants to reshape us and rebuild us so He can release us. I prophesy this morning... And if this makes it sound better, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, what I see on this church, I believe God is wanting to bring you to a place of thrones where you have dominion, the head and not the tail, and you walk in His favour. It's a time of, uh, of reigning. Did you know at the beginning of every generation in the Bible, the promise of favour is pronounced? In Genesis 1.27 to Adam and Eve. In Genesis 9 to Noah. In Genesis 13 to Abraham. In Joshua, the same thing. In Luke chapter 1, at the coming of Jesus, favoured woman, the woman that's about to give birth to Jesus. At the beginning of every new generation and every new era, it doesn't start with watch out for all the crap in the world. It, what it's saying to us is saying, listen, I want to bless you. I want to give you favour. I want to get you to multiply. I want you to have dominion. And as we come to a close, genuinely close, this is the scripture God gave me for you. 1 Peter 5, verses 5 to 6. In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders and all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace. And that word is favour. That word grace is is the prop, in the proper language is favour to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and, and He will release you. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right time He will lift you up in honour. And as I was praying for you, now you may want to write this down because I'm prophesying it over the church. What favour looks for this house, what it looks like from what I saw. This is not conclusive, you will see other things, but this is what I saw. Open doors of opportunity. That's a definition of favour. Open doors of opportunity. An open heaven of provision. A release of revelation, which will bring clarity. Father, I pray as the 
Galatians theme is released next week, that there'll be such clarity of revelation that it'll affect how we walk with you. I see the release of the anointing for supernatural ability. That's favor. The release of the anointing for supernatural ability. And favor releases loyalty. And while there's always going to be problems in the church, you two guys as leading this house are going to to what God's put in your heart. You're going to feel the loyalty, not the opposition. There'll always be questioning and all those things, but you're going to have an overwhelming sense of loyalty of people saying, come on, let's do it. We're here, let's go for it. When we were talking about that bus before, I could sense in the room that God was stirring people's hearts. and going, come on, we're going to get another bus. We're going to make that happen. And that's not just blind loyalty. That's biblical loyalty when you're under an umbrella of God's favour. Favour releases loyalty for longevity. That's what I wrote. Favour releases loyalty for longevity and it brings honour in due season. Wow. Do you receive that word? Do you feel that it relates to you as a church? Why don't you put your hands out in front of you and I'm going to close. Father, today, I understand that there are people in this house and genuinely so feel like, oh, right now I'm in a bone stage. I'm dry. I feel a bit dead on the inside. While every head's bowed and every eye closed, if that's how you feel, will you just quickly slip up your hand? I stand with you. I know what that feels like. And I'm just going to pray for God's refreshing over your life. If you're feeling like that or you've been feeling like that for a few months, why don't you slip up your hand? I'll see it. You can put it down again. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Yeah, there's a few others. Thank you. God bless you. Yeah, there's enough for me to know that you're here in that situation. Father God, this is our family. I pray that even going away from this meeting today and during the week, there'll be a real sense of refreshing. As these people read the word again, that'll be illumination that'll just refresh and, oh, Father, revive their hearts. Father, these are our best days. We're walking into our best days. Let it happen, I pray. There are those that feel the pinch at the moment. You feel like God is actually the devil. Is it me or is it God? But if the reshaping is to build your character and make you more like Jesus, then it's God. No matter where it comes from, God gets to have the final say in this. And you're in a time of reshaping. I just want to quickly pray for you because I believe God is not going to hurt you. He's going to heal you. He's not mad at you. He's going to mend you. He's actually healing you for stronger things and making you stronger. If that's you, slip up your hand. I'd like to pray for you this morning. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Many hands. Father, I pray for these dear people today. And Lord Jesus, you know, sometimes we go to to have a treatment done on our bodies like I've had done and it hurts a bit. We think, oh, I don't like that. But what it does for our better good, it's worth it. And I just pray today that whatever it is that you're reshaping in these dear people's lives, this week show them what that is. And Father, let them uh, partner with you in that journey. And in closing, Lord, I wonder if we can all put our hands out in front of us. Lord, I pray for the favour that's been declared over this house. I pray that this house will have moments of um, bones and moments of stones. But Lord, it's also that we have the throne of dominion. 
And I pray for every single person in this incredible house that, Lord, they will recognize God is lifting us for dominion, to have authority. I pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today and you've never met Jesus Christ, you don't even know a lot about Him, I'm happy to stay here. At the end of the meeting, I'm going to hand over now and I'll be happy to talk to you and explain to you what it means to have Jesus in your life. Because once that's explained clearly and you receive Him into your life, your life will never be the same again. Thank you, guys. Appreciate being with you. God bless you. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at life.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at Lifehouse. God's house, our home.